Chapter Twelve of the Lances of Linwood by Charlotte Mary Young. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The next few days were spent in taking precautions against the danger intimated by the mysterious message. Gaston gathered together a few of the ancient lances of Linwood, who were glad to enlist under the blue crosslet, and these, with some men-at-arms who had recently come to Bordeaux to seek employment, formed a body with whom Eustace trusted to be able to keep the disaffected in check. Through the vineyards and over gently swelling hills did their course lead them, till, on the evening of the second day's journey, the view to the south was shut in by more lofty and bolder peaks, rising gradually towards the Pyrenees, and on the summit of a rock overhanging a small rapid stream appeared the tall and massive towers of a castle, surmounted by the broad red cross of St. George, and which their guide pronounced to be the Chateau Norbel. "'A noble eyrie,' said Eustace, looking up and measuring it with his eye too noble to be sacrificed to the snaring of one poor knight shame that such a knightly building should serve for such a nest of traitors said gaston saving treachery a dozen boys could keep it against a royal host provided they had half the spirit of your little nephew let us summon the said traitors said eustace blowing a blast on his bugle the gates were thrown wide open the drawbridge lowered and beneath the portcullis stood the seneschal his bunch of keys at his girdle both eustace and gaston cast searching glances upon him and his aspect made them for a moment doubt the truth of the warning a patch covered the lost eye his moustache was shaved his hair appeared many shades lighter as well as his beard which had been carefully trimmed and altogether the obsequious seneschal presented a strong contrast to the dissolute reckless man-at-arms the knight debated with himself whether to let him perceive that he was recognized and deciding to watch his conduct he asked by what name to address him thibault sanchez replied laborgne basque giving his real name which he might safely do as it was not known to above two men in the whole duchy of aquitaine thibault sanchez so please you noble sir a poor squire from the mountains who hath seen some few battles and combats in his day but never one equal to the fight of nahara where your deeds of prowess my deeds of prowess sir seneschal had better rest in silence until our horses have been disposed of and i have made the rounds of the castle before the light fails us so late sir knight and after a long and weary journey surely you will drink a cup of wine and take a night's rest first relying on me who though i be a plain man trust i understand somewhat of the duties of mine office i sleep not until i have learnt what is committed to my charge replied the knight lead the way master sanchez ah there is what it is to have a knight of fame cried laborgne basque what vigilance what earnestness ah this will be as i told my comrades even now the very school of chivalry the pride of the country 
they had by this time crossed the narrow court and passing beneath a second portcullis door defended on either side by high battlement walls nearly double as thick as the steps themselves were wide at the head was an arched door heavily studded with nails and opening into the castle hall a gloomy vaulted room its loophole windows in their mighty depth of wall affording little light a large wood fire was burning in the hearth and its flame cast a bright red light on some suits of armour that were hung at one end of the hall as well as on some benches and a long table in the midst where were placed some trenchers drinking horns and a flask or two of wine a drop of wine noble knight said the seneschal take a cup to recruit you after your journey and wash the dust from your throat a long ride in full armour beneath the sun of gascony made this no unacceptable proposal but the probability that the wine might be drugged had been contemplated by eustace who had not only resolved to abstain himself but had exacted the same promise from dobricourt sorely against his will we will spare your flasks till a time of need said eustace only accepting the basin of fair water presented to him to lave his hands and now to the walls he added after he had filled a cup with water from the pitcher and refreshed himself with it gaston followed his example not without a wistful look at the wine and sanchez was obliged to lead the way up a long flight of spiral steps to two other vaulted apartments one over the other the lower destined for the sleeping chamber of the knight and his squire the higher for such of the men-at-arms as could not find accommodation in the hall or in the offices below above this they came out on the lead-covered roof surrounded with a high crenellated stone parapet where two or three warders were stationed still higher rose one small octagonal watch-tower on the summit of which was planted a spear bearing st george's pennon and by its side sir eustace now placed his own this done eustace could not help standing for a few moments to look forth upon the glorious expanse of country beneath him the rich fields and fair vineyards spreading far away to the west and north with towns and villages here and there rising among them while far away to the east among higher hills lay the french town of carcassonne a white mass just discernible by the light of the setting sun and the south was bounded by the peaks of the pyrenees amongst which lay all eustace's brightest recollections of novelty adventure and hopes of glory descending the stairs once more after traversing the hall they found themselves in the kitchen where a large supper was preparing here too was the buttery some other small chambers fit for storehouses and some stalls for horses all protected by the great bartizan at the foot of the stairs which was capable of being defended even after the outer court was won by the time the newcomers had made themselves acquainted with these localities the evening was fast closing in and sanchez pronounced that the night's survey was concluded and good time for supper i have not yet seen the vaults said eustace the vaults sir knight what would you see there save a few rusted chains and some whitened bones that have been there ever since the days of the count de montfort and the heretic albigenses they say that their accursed spirits haunt the place i have heard 
returned sir eustace that these castles of gascony are said to have secret passages communicating with their vaults and i would willingly satisfy my own eyes that we are exposed to no such peril here nay not a man in the castle will enter the, those vaults after sunset sir knight the albigenses sir eustace i will take the risk alone said eustace hand me a torch there gaston took another and thibault sanchez seeing them so resolute chose to be of the party the torches shed their red glare over the stone arches on which the castle rested and there was a chill damp air and earthy smell which made both knight and squire shudder and start no sooner had they entered than thibault trembling exclaimed in a tone of horror there there oh blessed lady protect us where asked eustace scarce able to defend himself from an impression of terror tis gone tis gone yet methought i saw it again there look yonder sir knight something white fluttering behind that column gaston crossed himself and turned pale but eustace had settled his nerves a truce with these vain follies master seneschal said he sternly those who know laborgna basque cannot believe his fears either of saints or demons to be other than assumed no ghost could have startled the seneschal of the chateau norbel as much as this sobriquet he fell back and subsided into complete silence as he meditated whether it were best to confess the plot and throw himself upon sir eustace's mercy or whether he could hope that this was merely a chance recognition he inclined to the latter belief when he observed that the knight was at fault respecting the secret passage searching in vain through every part of the vault and twice passing over the very spot the third time however it so chanced that his spur rung against something of metal and he called for gaston to hold his torch lower the light fell not only upon an iron ring but upon a guard which evidently covered a keyhole sanchez after in vain professing great amazement and perfect ignorance of any such entrance gave up his bunch of keys protesting that there was nothing there which could unlock the mysterious door but the knight had another method look you master sanchez said he it may be as you say that this door hath not been unclosed for hundreds of years notwithstanding i see traces in the dust as if it had been raised of late i shall however sleep more securely if convinced that it is an impossibility to lift it go therefore gaston and call half a dozen of the men to bring each of them the heaviest stone they can find from that heap i saw prepared for a mangonel in the courtyard oh excellent exclaimed gaston and yet sir eustace there he stopped but it was evident that he was reluctant to leave his master alone with this villain eustace replied by drawing his good sword and giving him a fearless smile as he planted his foot upon the trap-door and fixing his gaze upon laborgna basque made him feel that this was no moment for treachery 
gaston sped fast out of the dungeon and in brief space made his appearance at the head of the men-at-arms some bearing torches others labouring under the weight of the huge stones which as he rightly thought they were far more inclined to heave at sir eustace's head than to place in the spot he pointed out they were however compelled to obey and with unwilling hands built up such a pile upon the secret door that it could not be lifted from beneath without gigantic strength and a noise which would re-echo through the castle this done sir eustace watched them all out of the vault himself closed the door locked it and announced to the seneschal his intention of relieving him for the future from the care of the keys still watching him closely he ascended to the hall and gave the signal for the supper which shortly made its appearance thibault sanchez who laid claim to some share of gentle blood was permitted to enjoy the place of honour together with sir eustace and d'obricourt the rather that it gave them a better opportunity of keeping their eye upon him there was an evident attempt on the part of the garrison to engage their new comrades in a carouse in honour of their arrival but this was brought to an abrupt conclusion by sir eustace who in a tone which admitted no reply ordered the wine-flasks to the buttery and the men some to their posts and others to their beds ingram walked off muttering his discontent and great was the ill-will excited amongst not only the original garrison but the newcomers from bordeaux who from their lairs of straw lamented the day when they took service with so severe and rigid a knight and compared his discipline with that of his brother sir reginald who strict as he might be never grudged a poor man-at-arms a little merriment but as to this night one might as well serve a cistercian monk as to laborgna basque he betook himself to the buttery and there in an undertone of great terror began to mutter to his friend and ally tristan de la fleche it is all over with us he is a wizard sir leonard ashton was right oaf as he was i never believed him before but what save enchantment could have enabled him to recognize me under this disguise or how could he have gone straight to yonder door think you not that he had some warning asked tristan impossible save from clarinum or from ashton himself and dolt as he is i trow he has sense enough to keep his own counsel he has not forgotten the day when he saw this dainty young sprig rise up in his golden spurs before his eyes i know how it is it is with him as it was with the lord of corras how was that thibault why you must know that raymond de corras had helped himself to the tithes of a certain church in catalonia whereby the priest who claimed them said to him know that i will send thee a champion that thou wilt be more afraid of than thou hast hitherto been of me three months after each night in the castle of Corras, began such turmoil as never was known raps at every door and especially that of the night as if all the goblins in fairyland had been let loose the night lay silent all one night but the next when the rioting was renewed as loud as ever he leaped out of his bed and bawled out 
who is it at this hour thus knocks at my chamber door he was answered it is i and who sends thee hither asked the knight the clerk of catalonia whom thou hast much wronged i will never leave thee quiet until thou hast rendered him a just account what art thou called said the knight who art so good a messenger orthon is my name but it fell out otherwise from the clerk's intentions for orthon had taken a liking to the knight and promised to serve him rather than the clerk engaging never to disturb the castle for indeed he had no power to do ill to any often did he come to the knight's bed by night and pull the pillow from under his head what was he like asked tristan the lord de corras could not tell he only heard him he never saw aught for orthon only came by night and having wakened him would begin by saying he was come from england hungary or elsewhere and telling all the news of the place and what think you was he that was what our lord the count de foix would fain have known when he had much marvelled at the tidings that were brought him by the lord de Carras, and had heard of the strange messenger who brought them he entreated the knight to desire orthon to show himself in his own proper form and then having seen to describe him so at night when orthon came again and plucked away the pillow the knight asked him from whence he came from prague in bohemia answered orthon how far is it sixty days journey hast thou returned thence in so short a time i travel as fast as the wind or faster what hast thou got wings oh no how then canst thou fly so fast that is no business of yours no said the knight i should like exceedingly to see what form thou hast that concerns you not replied orthon be satisfied that you hear me i should love thee better had i seen thee said the knight whereupon orthon promised that the first thing he should see to-morrow on quitting his bed should be no other than himself ah then i wager that he saw one of the black cats that played around young ashton's bed nay the knight's lady would not rise all day lest she should see orthon but the knight leaping up in the morning looked about but could see nothing unusual at night when orthon came he reproached him for not having shown himself as he had promised i have replied orthon i say no said the knight what you saw nothing when you leaped out of bed yes said the lord de Carras, after having considered a while i saw two straws which were turning and playing together on the floor that was myself said orthon the knight now desired importunately that orthon would show himself in his own true shape orthon told him that it might lead to his being forced to quit his service but he persisted and orthon promised to show himself when first the knight should leave his chamber in the morning therefore as soon as he was dressed the knight went to a window overlooking the court and there he beheld nothing but a large lean sow so poor that she seemed nothing but skin and bone with long hanging ears all spotted and a thin sharp pointed snout the lord de Carras called to his servants to set the dogs on the ill-favoured creature and kill it but 
as the kennel was opened the sow vanished away and was never seen afterwards then the lord de Carras returned pensive to his chamber fearing that the sow had indeed been orthon and truly orthon never returned more to his bedside within a year the knight was dead is it true think you sanchez true why man i have seen the chateau de Carras seven leagues from orthes and what think you was orthon it is not for me to say but you see there are some who stand fair in men's eyes who have strange means of gaining an intelligence it will be a merit to weigh down a score of rifled priests if we can but circumvent a wizard such as this but he has brought his books i saw that broad-faced englishman carry up a whole pile of them cried tristan turning pale with his books he will be enough to conjure us all into apes now or never said sanchez encouragingly when all is still i will go round and waken our comrades when all is still i will go round and waken our comrades while you creep forth by the hole beneath the bartizan and warn clisson that the secret passage is not but that when he sees a light in old montfort's turret tristan suddenly trod on his foot as a sign of silence as a step descended the stairs and sir eustace stood before them you appear to be agreeably employed gentlemen said he glancing at the stoop of wine which was before them but my orders are as precise as norman williams no lights in this castle save my own after eight o'clock to your beds gentlemen and a good night to you he was still fully armed so that it was unsafe to attack him and he saw them up the spiral stairs that led from the hall and watched them enter the narrow dens that served them as sleeping-rooms where many a curse was uttered on the watchfulness of the wizard knight at the turn of midnight laborna basque crept forth in some hope that there might be an opportunity of fulfilling his designs and earning the reward promised him both by clarinum and the french but he had not descended far before a red gleam of torchlight was seen on the dark stairs and ere he could retreat the black head and dark eyes of gaston appeared glancing with mischievous amusement as he said in his gay voice you are on the alert my old comrade you have not forgotten your former habits when in command here but sir eustace entrusts the care of changing the guard to none but me so i will not trouble you to disturb yourself another night and the baffled miscreant retreated in this manner passed day after day in a tacit yet perpetual war between the knight and the garrison not a step could be taken scarce a word spoken without some instant reminder that either sir eustace or gaston was on the watch on the borders of the enemy's country there was so much reason for vigilance that the garrison could not reasonably complain of the services required of them the perpetual watch and numerous guards the occupations which knight and squire seemed never weary of devising for the purpose of keeping them separate and their instant prohibition of any attempt at the riotous festivity which was their only consolation for the want of active exercises they grew heartily weary 
and fiercely impatient of restraint and though the firm calm steady strictness of the night was far preferable to the rude familiarity and furious passions of many a castellan there were many of the men-at-arms who though not actually engaged in the conspiracy were impatient of what they called his haughtiness and rigidity these men were mercenaries from different parts of france accustomed to a lawless life and caring little or nothing whatever whether it were beneath the standard of a king charles or king edward that they acquired pay and plunder the englishmen were of course devoted to their king and prince and though at times unruly were completely to be depended upon yet while owning sir eustace to be a brave gallant and kind-hearted knight there were times when even they felt a shudder of dread and almost of hatred pass over them when tales were told of the supernatural powers he was supposed to possess when leonard ashton's adventure with the cats was narrated or the story of his sudden arrival at linwood keep on the night before the lady's funeral his own immediate attendants might repel the charge with honest indignation but many a stout warrior slunk off in terror to bed from the sight of sir eustace turning the pages of one of his heavy books by the light of the hall fire and saw in each poor bat that flitted about within the damp depths of the vaulted chambers the familiar spirit which brought them exact intelligence of all the past at bordeaux at paris or in london nay if he only turned his eyes on the ground he was thought to be looking for the twisting straws End of chapter twelve